We are in Acts chapter 5. We're going to pick up in verse 33. Before we do so, though, a little bit of background. The religious government leaders of the time have just arrested the apostles yet again. They're trying to silence them. And now... Uh, the religious leaders. This time, before it was the Pharisees, this time it's the Sadducees, and they're in charge, and they're really powerful. They are so furious at Christianity, which is swelling, thousands being converted, this holy movement thundering through Jerusalem. All the religious leaders are ticked and can't control it, and they've tried to censor and silence and muzzle the apostles, and they're not having it. They're like, hey, we're going to follow God, and we're not going to follow you. And that's really upsetting because they're supposed to be like the spokesman for God. Anyway, they're so enraged at this point that now they are about this close to just do the kill thing. They've already got blood on their hands from Jesus. Literally same thing. Couldn't shut him up, so they murdered him. And so here they are ready to do it again to continue their efforts to stop the same movement. So we're going to peer into the text and see what we can see. I've entitled this sermon, Indestructible Plans. And I thought plans indestructible was a little bit more provocative, but I didn't really get that far. So there's two different titles. You choose the one you like best, and that's totally the one I'm going with. The first one, the first one. So indestructible plans. Let's pick up in verse 33. When they heard this, they were enraged and wanted to kill them. But a Pharisee in the council named Gamaliel, this is weird because it's really a council of Sadducees and the Sadducees don't play well with the Pharisees, but there's this one Pharisee, Gamaliel, uh, who's so respected, I guess they let him in their huddle. He says uh, he was a teacher of the law, held in honor by all the people, stood up and gave orders to the men to put the uh, men outside for a little while. So it's a private huddle. And he said to them, men of Israel, take care what you're about to do with these men. For these days, for before these days, Thutis rose up claiming to be somebody and a number of men, about 400 in all, joined them. He was killed and all who followed him were dispersed and came to nothing. And after him, Judas the Galilean rose up, different Judas than who you're thinking, not Iscariot, rose up in the days of the census and drew away some of the people after him. By the way, it's somewhere in the 30s uh, AD, and the events they're talking about happened around 4 or 6 AD. So this was a couple decades ago, but it's fresh in the minds of everybody there. He too perished, and all who followed him were scattered. So, thank you. Finally, some enthusiasm. You guys were just like dead stick in here. And finally, we got a baby. You know what? Thank you. God bless you. That's wonderful. If you do it again, I'm just going to be all that more pumped up. So, bring it on, kid. Bring it on. From the diaphragm, even. Y'all aren't dead sticks, but you understood. I had to insult you to exalt them. So... I was stuck in a little bit of a sociological quandary. Where do I get these word salads? It's like that dude reads old books and probably too many of them. Yeah, I know. I got a problem praying through it. You pray for me. My wife has just gave me this side judgmental glance there. Just kidding. So in the present case, I tell you, keep away from these men and leave them alone. For if this plan or this undertaking is of man, it will fail. But if it's of God, 
you will not be able to overthrow them. You might even be found opposing God. So they took his advice. Uh, this is why I, where I get the title, Plans Indestructible. Uh, and so it is the fingerprints of God uh, that he allows his plans to prosper or all the plans of man seem to fall by the wayside. How many of you have ever studied or come across any cults in your day? Yeah, and some of you just kind of did it like, yeah, I joined one. BJ just did it like, I, I led a couple, you know? Was it? <laughs> no, just kidding, totally weird joke. Uh, but anyway, of, uh, a lot of them, they're here and it's passionate and people will fall for it. But eventually, if you follow it, it all falls like a house of cards, doesn't it? The test of a cult is time. How many of these false religions popped up and they had some energy, but they fell away because of the plans of man and it wasn't the plans of God? Now, God does something so unique and so amazing that man can't possibly claim credit for the work of God and the work of God becomes an undeniable buttress in the annals of history. I wanted to point out another verse that we're going to really hang out on and I'm going to walk us through the Bible to talk about plans indestructible and then leap into our present day so you have a direct application. Would that be all right? I said it like it was, you know, you had input, but we're totally going to do what I wanted to. Anyway, let's go to 1 Corinthians 1.27. It says, but God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise, the proud, the lifted up, the one who thinks, you know what? I'm pretty special. I got this. Watch me. I'm the big man. I'm going to make my plans about God chose what's foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. This is our most excellent heavenly chess master who takes the enemy's queen, uh, rooks, bishops, and knights with just pawns. Amazing of like he uses the weak and the foolish to conquer the strong. It's like if uh, Pastor Chris talked about betting on Tesla, right? You know, of like, and, and, and that's kind of like a, a big stock of like that makes sense to man. But if we were picking the stocks that God is backing, they're just going to blow up here. This metaphor's really gone off the rails here. I'm just saying you would never see some of these IPOs <laughs> to skyrocket. Wayne just felt bad for me. <laughs> That's so funny. That's so funny. What I'm just saying, though, is you would never see some of this coming. Let's look through the biblical narrative. You have Abraham. Abraham is 90 years old. That's an old man. The greeters wouldn't have left him at the doorway. They would have helped him in, this shrunken 90-year-old man. And God promises him, you know what? It's through you I'm going to make the entire Israel nation and through you the Messiah and through the Messiah all nations be blessed. It all runs through Abraham, a 90-year-old man who's going to hang out for 10 years. Dude's nearly in the grave, 100 years old before him. And now his 90-year-old uh, wife is going to give birth to a baby. Could you imagine a little baby brought in, you know, somebody else is holding it like, oh, is this your baby? And no, it's his. And it's this shrunken up arthritic, gnarled hand, 100-year-old man. You would think that hilarious. 
But if like, what are the chances? Who is going to bet that that old man is going to be the father of many nations? All na- the Messiah is going to come. You wouldn't bet. No one saw that coming. It's as hilarious as it is ridiculous. But God chose what was foolish in the world to shame the wise. You never saw it coming. We never could have made it happen. So once it does happen, we're able to look back and say, yeah, nobody claims credit for that. God did that. God did the impossible. So it was with Abraham. So it was with the escape from Egypt. In the times of the uh, Israeli exodus, this is the Moses stuff. In that time, Rome didn't rule the world like in this context. We're talking about Egypt was the world power. Egypt, with all of their pyramids and their wealth and their pomp, they had engineering that still blows many people's mind today. We can't figure out how they did stuff. It's like, holy cow, this was an incredibly advanced and wildly powerful people. And then you have a whole bunch of slaves, and somehow the slaves are supposed to escape Egypt, then survive in the desert, And then, after years of walking the desert, they're supposed to push into a promised land in heavily fortified cities with huge men descended from giants, and they're supposed to beat them in battle and take back their homeland. How many of you are betting everything on their success? (laughs) Leave Egypt, survive the desert for 40 years, and then go kick giant tail. Of like, yeah, I'm probably going to watch that investment play out a little while before I jump in. No, that's ridiculous. That's wild. But God does this over and over. The patriarch Joseph is sold into slavery and unto death. Yet somehow, though he is down and out, sold into slavery in a foreign nation, he becomes the number two most powerful man in that kingdom and becomes the savior of all Israel. Lowly, despised, rejected becomes the savior. Does this look familiar? It was lowly, all of a sudden becomes the exalted. You know where I'm going with this, but what I'm pointing out to you is there's fingerprints of God throughout the Old Testament. Man didn't do this. I understand how Rome was built. I don't understand how uh, King David, a shepherd, just a nobody, a nobody. He's out in the shepherd fields. You can look at his life and you know exactly where he's going. The way every shepherd does. You're going to watch sheep until you die. Maybe you have some kids along the way and what are they going to do? They're going to watch sheep until they die. By the way, guys, this is Jim and Diane. Uh, Jim, Diane, where are you guys from? Uh, a little town called Wenatchee, Washington. Wenatchee, Washington. And that's where you came. They, they flew here to be with us on Sunday morning. And it's so amazing, so pumped. Before we'd ever met them, they were out yesterday in downtown Rome during this festival, shaking hands, meeting people, and inviting people to church today. And then they greeted me at the door. (laughs) So I came and I'm like, hi, I'm John. This is my first time. It was real. We had a fun moment, didn't we? God bless you guys. They're from our parent church, Grace City, Wenatchee. Uh, and they are just a living uh, example of uh, people that love you and are praying for you as we get going as well. Uh, and so thank you for being here. You thought I would forget you, didn't you? 
David, whose life was basically sealed, instead he becomes the one who beats a champion of armies, Goliath. Who saw that battle victory coming? No one saw that coming. This little, or this young teenage boy, swallowed in great armor, puts it aside and goes out against a seasoned warrior, a notorious one, and kills him? What are the chances? And then he becomes the king. Now, I look at Saul. Saul was king at that time. He'd be the first king over Israel, Saul. And Saul was a head taller than everyone else. Beautiful, strong, good family, well-educated, wildly wealthy, and he is who you and I would have bet on. I'm like, oh, that guy's a king. That guy's a king. We always would have bet on that guy. And God, knowing what we wanted, gave us exactly what we wanted and what we would have done in Saul. That's how we make plans. We make plans like we're uh, commissioning Kings like Saul. That's how we do it. We want our best investment, our strongest foot forward, our best portfolio, our best chances right here. But God chose the foolish and he looks past the outward appearance, instead looks at the heart and he sees David and raises him up to be the greatest king uh, of all ancient history. You see the fingerprints of God? Let's keep going. Esther, uh, Rahab, uh, Ruth, these women, uh, some of them would occupy the actual lineage of Jesus, right? One of them, a prostitute uh, in ancient Canaan, who would become direct ancestor of Christ himself. I'm like, holy cow, Ruth as well. Of, was Ruth grandma, grandma of Jesus? Yeah, anyway, very, very, very close, uh, of David. Yeah, of David. Uh, then you look at the disciples. Who would you have chosen? to change the world forever. Who are you joining on your leadership team? It's like, here's some fishermen. That, that Once you get used to the smell of these guys, they're actually quite charming guys. Yeah, no education, no prospects. Yeah, super in debt, you know, of uh, um, super in debt to Rome, uh, barely making ends meet. These guys, these are your crew. And then you get a zealot and you get a tax collector who it's hard to even put him in the same room because the zealot wants to murder the tax collector every moment. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, let's, let's put them all on a dream team. Let's change the world, baby. Woo! No position, no prospects, no wealth, none of it. No military commanders in there, no powerful politicians, no great orators or philosophers, nothing. Bunch of construction workers. Let's get them all together. Change the world forever. What do you say? All, all hands in. Ready, go. What in the world is this team? The disciples. They were no one. And yet these are now, uh, I, I got chill bumps. Uh, these guys were the foundation of what we're standing on right now, church. That's our foundation. How is that possible? And then you come to the author and perfecter of our faith, Jesus, who had, held no political office. Some of you are smiling because you can't wait for me to give the resume of Jesus here. And God love you for it. Uh, he certainly does love you for it. Anyway, uh, lowly and despised, born in this backwater nothing town in the middle of nowhere, uh, born into poverty, uh, no political prospects, no wealth, uh, commanded no great armies. He's just a humble construction worker growing up in Galilee of all places. 
And somehow this guy is going to be why, we, why we're meeting together on the other side of the planet 2,000 years later. How is that possible? <laughs> what? What? Consider, the false, uh, consider all the ancient religions. When was the last time you met a follower of Apollo? Dionysius. You seen one, David? N never. But surely you've seen Mithra, right, Zach? Mithra followers? None of them? Odin? No. no there's actually like a movement resurgent, but it's really because they just want to dress like Vikings. <laughs> no one actually believes of like, by the hammer of Thor. They just thought the look looked really cool and the Viking shows came out and they're like, yeah, I totally believe in Odin. I'm like, you want to dress like a Viking and you found a theological reason for it? That's what happened? Anyway, the ancient personages, those religions, they died, except one. The Jewish carpenter from the other side of the world how is it that in America, this tiny little nation of Israel is affecting us? Well, Israel isn't. Israel had very little effect on me. But their king changed the world forever. The king of the Jews did. How is it possible, except by the hand of God? 2,000 years later, half a world away, we're still worshiping the Jew Jewish carpenter? That's the fingerprints of God. Something, it, it's impossible. If it was from man, you never would have known his name. You, wouldn't have never, you would never have even known his name. So he catches us up uh, to today. You see the fingerprints of God in the way that he does stuff and plans stuff. And I'd ask you, how are your plans working out? This is where I'm going to get a little personal but I don't want you to feel bad because I'm actually preaching at me too. Did y'all know I'm on a journey and I'm just this fatally flawed human like you trying to figure stuff out. And anyway, I'm, I'm, so I'm preaching to me too. So never let me feel like I'm like down. I'm like, nope, me too, bro. I'm in the trenches shoulder to shoulder with you on movement going toward Jesus, right? Uh, I'm just the guy s speaking out. I'm kind of like, shouldn't we be better, folks? Now, consider the plans of your life. You've made plans, right? You make plans and you can feel them and you see them and you want them. This is my plan. This is my trajectory. I had all kinds of plans. I really wanted to go into business as a very young man. I wanted to go into business with my dad. You know, that, that, that was my dream. And that didn't happen Instead, something else went happen, uh, followed the Lord, and now I'm doing something I never could have dreamed of. Weird. I didn't plan it all out. I'm no chess master. I'm just kind of one foot in front of the uh, other, and all of a sudden, the Lord led me into where I'm at now, and looking back, I'm kind of like, I never, ever, ever would have planned that. I really wanted to marry a different gal than my wife. Um, we want to talk about this, baby? I'm so sorry. I shouldn't have. No, she was, uh, I dated her in high school. We dated for five years. And I remember over in Afghanistan, you know, you almost get blown up a good bit. You start thinking, I would like to settle down and not die. Uh, and so that's a common soldier's thought. You kick open enough doors, people shoot at you. You're like, oh, I'd like to be back in the States married to someone pretty. 
Uh, and so uh, I'd made plans to propose to this gal, you know? Uh, I wanted it. Can I, can I jump into this story a little bit? Because I, I'll never tell, the, is this good? Okay, very good. I had given this girl, when we were back in uh, high school, I'd given her a mixed CD. Bro, I just can't turn it off, you know? Just, what do you do? What do you do? So I'm, I'm, it, it's not so long ago that it's a mixtape. It's CDs, Welcome to the Future, and you'd burn a CD. And I put all these songs on it. I wasn't very good at romance, though, and so I just put stuff on there that sounds sweet. One of those songs was, was Garth Brooks's Unanswered Prayers. I put that song on the CD. Why are you laughing? Because it's a sweet sounding song. It does. But is the high school sweetheart want to hear this song? No, because the song is about a couple. It's so funny. It's, this is Fingerprints of God because I get this one. It's so, so, so perfect for me. Anyway, jumping back. The song is about uh, a high school couple. And he is praying that God will give his high school sweetheart to him to marry, right? And so that's their plan. And uh, it ends up that they break up, go their separate ways. Many years later, they meet back up at a hometown football game. And he sees her, flood of the past comes back. He remembers praying to marry her, but it didn't happen. And then he looks at his kids and his wife, and he says, I thank God for... Did, sing it for me. <laughs> Sometimes I think. <laughs> but he thanks God for unanswered prayers. God had a better plan for you than your plan for you. God definitely had a wildly better plan for me, one I couldn't have even dreamt of. A girl so perfect for me... Uh, Anyway, and so when I decided to propose, digging my heels in, you're like, this story is not done. I'm like, this story is not done. This story is not done. I dug my heels in because I realized, oh, I'm swinging a miss with a romantic song because she called me out on it. I was like, hey, this, this is actually about us not getting together. So in the desert of Afghanistan, I rewrote that song. I rewrote the lyrics so that he did end up with a high school sweetheart. I still remember some of the lyrics. So I was going to learn guitar, sing the song with the new lyrics that had the proposal ferreted in. Pretty good, huh? 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 And then totally never proposed. She was absolutely wrong for me. Met my wife, fell in love, and now, though I was stubbornly trying to seize my fate, and make my plans work, I found when I was following the Lord, it was His plans that were established. And so, against my grit, against my determination, here I am thanking God for unanswered prayers. Right? That's the fingerprints of God. I set out to do multiple things with my life. My life, it did not take the direction that it went. But man, uh, following the Lord... Uh, is how you join the winning team. Perhaps some of your plans, uh, you're upset. Your plans aren't working out. Well, maybe, maybe because they're your plans and they're not God's plans. 
Here's a spoiler alert. Your plans are never going to work out for you. They're not going to work out for you. Your plans are terrible. You think they're good. You feel like they're good, but they're not very good. On the other hand, we know that God works all things together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. The great news, guys, is you don't actually have to make this beautiful plan for your life. All you have to do is seek first. This is Matthew 6. Yes, Matthew 6. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. What are all these things in the context? It's, uh, hey, it's, it's food, it's clothes, uh, it's drink, all the things that you need and all the things that you want. Necessities and the things that you just want. Everything that you're after and chasing in this vain glory world, all that stuff, you don't actually get that wonderful life you hope for by chasing that stuff and making plans for it. The trick is this. The foolish thing is this. The weak thing is this. That actually leads you in the right way is no, no, no. Obsess yourself on the kingdom of God and becoming holy like Jesus. And God's going to lead you into a wild adventure of great blessing, ups and downs, but all through it all you see joy and peace and a life given to the Lord so that when you look back on all the good and all the bad, the highs and the lows, the celebration, the pleasures and the pains, you'll say, that was perfect. You will look back on this grand tapestry and say, it's beautiful, like an orchestra like a chess master. That's God. You don't have to have this beautiful plan for your life. You just have to be daily obedient to God and he will direct us. Some of you feel like you're losing in life and that's because you're on a losing team. And the only way to change your stars here is to join the winning team. That's God's team. Who, no matter how ridiculous and low you look, he brings it about to accomplish amazing and miraculous things. And he makes it very simple for us, which is wonderful. Follow me. Trust me. Be like me. And everything works out great. <laughs> That's awesome. You wouldn't change a thing from eternal glory looking back. Maybe your plans aren't succeeding because they're not supposed to. Maybe your plans aren't succeeding because they're yours. It's not God's plan for your life. It's your plan for your life. And just like young John trying to force my will and chase my plans, I found here's my plans and here's my following God. And as I started down this road as a young Christian, my plans, my hopes, my dreams, my thoughts, following God. And I'm like, oh, I'll follow these things. And there was a little divergence in the path. And I kept uh, uh, following God farther and farther. And these things got farther and farther away until I felt stretched to a breaking point. And this is where most folks stay. And I found I couldn't continue to follow the Lord and follow all my dreams and desires and all the things I thought were best for me, all the things I wanted, right? And what you'll find is you have to 
let go of one or the other. How many of you need to let certain thoughts, plans, hopes, and dreams die and trust the Lord to give you a better one? He's got a better one. Do you really trust him? Do I really trust him? I have no idea what's going to be going on with me in five years or 10 and 20. And my temptation is, is to plan it all out just so. And I think plans are good. We should make plans. But when we take our plans to the Lord, it's not with a close hand, it's with an open one. I'm like, Lord, are you leading me to this? Are you leading me to this person? Are you leading me to this job? Are you leading me to this situation? Are you leading me to this residence in this place? Are you leading me to befriend these people or partner with this? Is this what you want? It makes sense to me. I think you should do it. I planned it out. It could be like that. And maybe uh, bringing it to the Lord with what you think and what you plan. It's good to make plans. It's good to get counsel on those plans. But bringing this of like, it may be from the Lord, but it may not. And if it's not from the Lord, ditch it. Give it no more further thought. How many of you uh, know exactly what the Lord is trying to tell you this morning through this word? How many of you have latched on firmer to a plan, to a dream, to a hope, to an entitlement? I deserve this. I should have this. How many of you have got a death grip on what you want and what you think you need and you're not all about the kingdom? All about the, what does all about the kingdom look like? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things, all the stuff you need and you want, those things will be given to you as well. What's it mean to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness? Well, I think of instead of devoting myself to a profession, like this is who I am. I'm following and this is just who I am. A lot of times as dudes, vocation is really important to us, isn't it? it, it, it it's important. Um, it, but too important oftentimes to folks that it becomes an identity. As if you lost that, you become adrift. Well, what am I if I'm not that? A lot of soldiers have this thing of, I used to hunt terrorists in the desert. A lot of my brothers in arms throughout special operations community struggled with this when they'd been hunting terrorists for a certain amount of time. Then they get out and their identity became soldier. Before, who are you? I'm a soldier. And as soon as they got out of the military, now the question is, is, well, who am I now? If I'm not a fighter and a soldier, who am I? Their job became their vocation, and it was fused. That's certainly not seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, because the Christian isn't, uh, is not, our identity isn't wrapped up in what we do. It's all dependent on this one thing. Chris, I am a Christian. That's all I really know about my identity for sure. I'm a dad. I'm a husband. I'm an employee. All those things can be taken from me. And then where would I be? Adrift? Nope, I'm a Christian, you see. I'm a little Christ. I'm trying to be like Jesus. That is the certainty. And so whatever job I happen to have, seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness means I'm going to try to be like Jesus in my job, which means here I am, I'd like to convert every soul here to Jesus. And let's make plans on how to bring up those conversations. I did it like it's maniacal. <laughs> like, ooh, ah, we'll talk about Jesus. But I, I, I would like to be able to be thinking about a kingdom invincible. 
and the plans that are indestructible. I want my life to count in that with an eternal legacy, not just checking off tasks at my nine to five, right? God's plan is better than your plan for your life. Um, leave the losing team, which is the earthly one. It's our plans. It's your team. It's the team of one. Yay me! <laughs> right? Nope. Let's abandon that and we jump on what is God's plans. And when we make plans, we bring them to God with an open hand saying, God, are you in this? What would you like me to do? I'm going to trust you because you're trustworthy. And then those plans are the indestructible ones. Right? If you got it, say amen. amen. Fantastic. I, had, I was intending to go verses 40 through 42, which is uh, joyful suffering. And you guys took so long on this that I'm not going to be able to get it. It's all right. I forgive you. I forgive you. But um, next time, try to, you know, manage our time better. I'm not upset at you. Uh, but we're going to end here for today, and I'm just going to preach those. So joy and suffering uh, next sermon that I give you. Got it? Uh, we're about to release you one more uh, couple reminders. Growth track coming up. Get on that. Join us. We got work to do. Our hard launch is going, and we just prayed, uh, me and Pastor Chris over here, just praying before service for Rome. Do you want to seek first the kingdom of God in Rome? Yeah. One last closing thought. Um, Tesla is not going to stand the test of time. Tesla really got a plug <laughs> in this sermon. <laughs> um, it's not going to last, though. It's not going to last. And none of, none of our high-rise buildings, none of our businesses... Uh, none of it lasts. None of our organizations, none of our institutions of power, however vast. You look at the Roman Empire and it's all its pomp. No one thought Rome would ever fall, but yet it did. And so did the Mesopotamians. So did the Ottoman Empire. So did the Grecian Empire fall. The Persian Empire. The American Empire will not last either. And nothing we have built will last. There's just one thing. And that's Jesus Church. That's it. That's all that lasts. I got chill bumps again. Let our business be about building that kingdom. And all the rest, all the things you think you want and all the things you know you need will be given to you as well, right? I love you. Have a great week. Get out of here. Actually, hang out. Talk amongst yourselves. See you guys. That's it.